Welcome, everybody, to a Monday night edition. A wonderful, finally, we've been dying to say those words. A wonderful Monday night. Blue skies, actually clear skies. See some stars. I'm your host this evening, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And I am joined by a thought-out Mark Vandermeer. Mark, good evening. How are you doing, my friend? Johnny, is this even the same city as last <laughs> week, the same state? I mean, a week ago, I was literally sleigh riding with my kids, and it was unbearably cold. Today, it's like <laughs> you get into the car if you've been out for a while. It's like, ah, oh, the car is hot. You know, you're getting hot car already. Yeah. I'm thinking, what? What happened? How did this happen? But it did. I got in the car just instinctively today with a, you know, a sweatshirt, a hoodie on. And I got in the car and I'm like, what am I doing? It was, it was that, it was that warm, but it was just instinctive over the last few days that as soon as you stepped outside, uh, you better be wrapped up or you're in trouble. And the thing is, both of us have experienced way worse weather when we went to college and when we lived in the Northeast, we've seen way worse, felt way worse. But man, I'm telling you when it just, there's something about it when it hits you here, when it's like, this isn't our weather. This isn't what's supposed to happen. I think that's probably the uh, – that's the biggest thing that hit me more than anything else was like, this isn't supposed to be this way. But it was nice to see a beautiful day uh, out on Monday, Mark, and uh, great weather. And it looks like it'll, it'll stick around, but we're not going to get back to the freezing temperatures. A little bit of rain, but that's okay. And now the weather portion – of the program is over and we've got plenty for you next segment we're gonna we're gonna play a new segment called yes no maybe mark has no idea uh what this one's about it's brand new i just thought it up literally 30 seconds ago so we're gonna do that and mark you also had an opportunity and i don't really want to steal your thunder on this one but you had an opportunity to have a discussion with the executive director beth harp of kids meals incorporated we're gonna have that interview But I just want to ask you straight out because that's an organization that I know that Cal and Hannah McNair, they were out at the food bank too, giving food. And they joined the cheerleaders out there, which was such a great, great thing. They've given money. I mean, the McNairs have done so much for this city and for this community. It's been absolutely uh, amazing. And you had an opportunity to catch up with someone that's pretty special. What was that interview like to talk? with Beth Harp. I know we'll hear from you and hear that interview later, but what was that like getting the chance to interview her and what she does for Kids Meals, Inc.? Well, I'll tell you what, Johnny. I know, I know it's a sports show, but I thought it was important to hear from her because one thing that blew me away was in a non-frozen world, in a regular Harris County world, even non-COVID, you have one out of four children in need of this service, right? They're undernourished. They're basically hungry. This is unbelievable to me. And I really wasn't aware. Uh, But you're right. Cal and Hannah McNair have really stepped up. And, you know, remember uh, when Bob passed, we talked about he gave away over a half billion dollars in charity money uh, throughout his life. I mean, you know, Cal and Hannah, I mean, they're off to a tremendous start here. They're going to hit that number pretty quick if they keep going like this because You know, you're talking about a half million dollars in cash last week, all these other donations. Uh, You're talking about the food bank, kids' meals. Uh, They're getting seriously involved with these causes. In addition to everything else else that the Houston Texans organization does, 
uh, with them leading the way. So uh, I just think it's been an incredible week to step up for the Texans, for Cal and Hannah. And uh, it's great to hear from somebody like Beth Harp uh, later on in the show to hear what Kids Meals is all about. I know Sports Radio 610 guys have really stepped up this week as well, Intercom Radio. So it's just awesome to see because it's so needed in our community. Yeah, no doubt. And obviously when the leaders of an organization set the tone from that perspective, you definitely want to follow or feel the need to follow in it and not, not a bad way, not feel like you're this burden. You want to do it because you want to be part of that. And I mean, we have done that for years with, with United Way, the Houston Food Bank. I mean, the number of partners that we have that did charitable things for people just, and I think about kids meals and I think about just having meals. I mean, when, when our power went down, I thought, okay, we've got plenty of food here. We'll be okay. We've got our gas fireplace. We'll be all right. But what about that family that, that didn't? I mean, to have th- just three bag meals to be able to have for your kids, to be able to feed them and give them some energy and get up to be able to get through this is pretty amazing. So uh, great stuff from the McNairs. Uh, can't wait to hear the interview that you have, Mark, with Beth and We're looking forward to that later in the show. Obviously, we'll do yes, no, maybe in our next segment. But we're going to keep our position group discussion going. We talked about the D-line last week. And I like – I know a lot of people will say, why will you talk about this? Why do you want to talk about this now as opposed to once it's all been said and done? I like looking at it now because, to me, it's kind of part of looking at how the puzzle pieces have to come together. And with the D-line, obviously, there are a number of puzzle pieces that have to come together. There are a couple of young guys, as we mentioned, Charles Amenahu, Ross Blacklock. They're instrumental in how this, off, this defensive line is going to play in 2021 and beyond. I like looking at it now, under construction. Look, every team, even the Buccaneers, yeah. under construction. You got Shaq Barrett. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen with him. You know, the Buccaneers make a run of J.J. Watt. Every team is under construction. So there are some teams that don't have as much construction to do as others. But I like looking at the construction phase to understand, okay, let's see what you're going to do. So our position group today, which to me is when everybody's healthy and one particular piece is in this group, and we'll talk about his impact, and that's the wide receivers. When, Mark, I say to you, Texans, wide receivers, your first thought is what? Well, my first thought is, geez, isn't everybody going away because everybody's a free agent? But it's not true, Johnny. In fact, the people that Watson was slinging it with at the end of the year, making big plays, because remember, despite the fact that, yeah, I know they didn't exit well in the win column, They did exit well in the numbers column as Watson led the league in passing. And these guys are all still here. Now, obviously, Fuller is a big question mark for this team. Being a free agent, we don't know how they're going to handle that. But, Johnny, they have a lot of guys who can play, and they've proved they can play. I mean, we now know Kiki QT can play. Chad Hansen, not that he's your number one guy or anything, but he can certainly help an NFL team. We've seen that with our own eyes. Randall Cobb comes back. Now, I don't know if he'll be on the roster come Labor Day and all that. Who knows what they do? But I'm telling you right now, he's still a member of this organization. They have got Brandon Cooks. They have guys 
who can play. Now, again, I, I like what you just said. We're taking inventory now because what do you do when you take inventory? You see what you've got. You see what you might want to change out. They're going to change out some things. But this is all about if they play today, you know, how full or empty is the cupboard at each position group? We went over the D-line, and we talked about the secondary a little bit, even though we kind of cheated doing that. It wasn't the day of the secondary, but we saw how many guys were actually, like, out the door as free agents in all likelihood, if nothing else, in the secondary. Uh, but with the receivers, Johnny, and I'm sure you've looked as well, Fuller's the big the big question here, and he's the number one guy, but they do have some assets here. There's no question about it. You are not starting from scratch at this position group. So let's just tackle that big matzo ball that is Will Fuller. We asked the general last week. I actually I asked him this because I heard him say this live, and I was I don't want to say I was taken aback by it, but I was surprised by it when he was asked about Will Fuller. And I was glad that I heard him say it because I was asked about this down on 1010XL down in Jacksonville. And I wasn't expecting, I don't, know, I don't know why, I just wasn't expecting a question about Will Fuller. And they said, what do you expect what to happen to Will Fuller? I was like, well, okay, here's what John McClain said. And so I was like, oh, man. Well, I pulled up the PFF 2021 top, 100 free, oh, top 50 free agents. And they have guessed a landing spot. They've made a prediction for a landing spot. Only one player on this entire top 50 ends up in Houston per their prediction. And that is the aforementioned Will Fuller. They predict that the franchise tag will be placed on Will, and they're saying it's $15.8 million for 2021. And I saw that, and that's exactly what John McClain said, that they would look at franchising Will, bringing him back into the fold, and then working towards a long-term contract. I think the, the clowny franchise tag experiment, albeit under different leadership, didn't kind of go, I think, the way that we all thought it should. My thought is if they put the franchise tag on Will, then – that means they're looking to add years and give him a long-term extension. Now, it's on Will. He doesn't have to sign the franchise tag. That's what Clowney did. He wasn't going to sign it. Then they ended up trading him to a place he wanted to go in Seattle. That's a player's prerogative. It's also $15.8 million out the door if you choose not to. I know that we're not in the business of prognosticating those kind of things, Mark, but in your heart of hearts, just what you think, Will Fuller is back with the Texans in 2021 or no? Johnny, if they tag him, I think that, you know, we, you just mentioned Clowney and you know, some other players who get tagged where they might not want to get tagged. Obviously, everybody wants a long-term deal. But Fuller, I think, would understand that based on his injury history and what happened last year, that, you know, he's not going to get you know, one of the top five receiver contracts in this league, right? I just don't see that happening with him. So I guess the question is, would he be willing to sign something that isn't that, or would he rather play a year with the tag, which is top five money, right, right. for one right. year? And yep. you get your – it's if it's 15, I mean, that's 15. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at, right? Yeah, no and doubt. then 
you know, how much is the guaranteed money going to be anyway? Like if I think it's a good gamble for Will, I can't speak for Will. And I know you're, you're right. We don't really prognosticate about these things, but I think it's a good quote gamble for him. It would be a good arrangement for the team. If Will didn't sign, you know, in the case that he doesn't sign the deal because you get the services of Will. And for Will, if he blows up in 2021 again and, and maintains uh, his status throughout the entire season, well, then he sets himself up for a huge deal the next year. If not, well, at least he got the 15. Maybe the next year's deal isn't as big, but you got the 15. So I think that might be the win-win, but I don't know what they're thinking. You know, we're not in the conference rooms with Nick Casario going over this stuff saying, and you know that Cully definitely has an opinion on this. Well, he has an opinion on everything, but he coached receivers. Yeah. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle him. But he's awesome. We know it. He played great. And I think Will in the mix with the other guys they have. And look, it's probably not going to be all these guys like I just mentioned. But that's a pretty good group right there. That's a pretty darn solid group. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. So let's say that Will is not franchised. That franchise tag date is coming up. And I think it's in the next couple of days, actually. So not to say that you've got um, – not to say that you've got uh, money to burn. However, if Will does not sign, you've got Brandon Cooks coming back, Kiki QT, Randall Cobb. You've got, you've got guys coming back. Could I interest you in any of these wide receivers at fair market value? Let me know right. when I hit one you might like. Okay. I, there's, there's one right off the – well, it's actually the first name. Allen Robinson, Chicago Bears. Yeah, you know, look, if you had Will and him, don't they complement each other well? Oh, I mean, you know more about these things than I do, but I, I think that that is a tremendous compliment. And he had Trubisky, right, and right. Foles. So you really can't judge everything based on whatever numbers he's put up in recent years here. We know who he is. We saw him with Jacksonville. We know how good he can be. So I think that a fair market value, yes. Back to Will for a moment, though. The tag on him, doesn't it send a nice little message to you-know-who yes. about what's going on here in the past cashing department and don't you want to be part of this? So, you know, I think there, there's a, a great, you know, little element at play there. But, yeah, I, I do like Robinson. Go on. There are a few others when I look at the list of free agents. I, I, and this is one of the things, to me, Mark, that makes it sort of tricky because there are some bona fides in this group of free agent wide receivers. Now, Chris Godwin will probably go back to Tampa Bay. Mike Evans has already said he'll give up money to get Chris Godwin back. Juju Smith-Schuster as a fit on the Texans. I, yeah, Mark, I don't know if I buy that one. Here's yeah, one, yeah. Here's one that ahead. I here's one that I really like. PFF has actually said they predict he'll go back to Detroit also with the franchise tag, and that's Kenny Galladay of the Detroit Lions. Well, I, I don't think you can accommodate, you know, him, Fuller, the contract situation you have with a couple of the other guys. You know, I just don't – I don't see that happening. I, I like him as a player. There's no question. But contractually, that doesn't seem to be a fit for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, hey, I'd love him. Yeah, sure. Let's just bring it on. Here's the name that I'm going to hit you with, and I can't wait to ask you. What would the day be like if you were to walk in the building and walk into the, uh, into the uh, conference room and T.Y. Hilton 
was signing his contract with the Houston Texans. Oh, my gosh. Well, Johnny, what, what's the contract? I, I'm assuming this is going to be a contract that takes into account his injury situation. Yes, and that's why, and, I, said, that's why I said earlier, fair market value. So, you know, a couple years, you know, maybe let's just say two years, $20 million. Uh, Let's just go with that. Johnny, I remember doing shows. I remember doing I remember doing shows where I would throw out if the Rockets signed Carl Malone, how would you feel? (laughs) And a lot of fans, you know, some fans said, look, if he's a Houston Rocket, he's it's fine. But a lot of fans are like, no way, he's Carl Malone. I cannot tolerate this, right? You know, kind of like Russell Westbrook becoming a Rocket. You know, a lot of people had to bite their tongue on that one because of all the criticism of him from Rockets fans over the years. Uh, But if T.Y., Johnny, oh, my gosh. I mean, that is – look, Peyton Manning coming here, had he done that, had that happen, would be one thing because that's a quarterback that could help you win a championship. And I'm not saying T.Y. couldn't help you uh, as a receiver, but it just seems different. He actually wore the clown mask coming into the building. I don't know if I can tolerate this. Uh, but you know what? If they sign him, I'll find a way to do it. I mean, I'll find a way. And, and look, I'd love to meet him and talk with him. I really would. I've never met him. So I think that would be so interesting for us just to be able to catch up with him. You and I would have a ball with this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I forgot about the clown mask. How did I forget about the clown mask? And here's the thing. With the clown mask that probably bothers me more than anything else, Mark, is he then went on the field and embarrassed us in that first oh. half embarrassed us and and the game was over at that point because we couldn't do anything hop was banged up and away you go um we couldn't we couldn't do anything right in that game but in large part because he's destroying our secondary he's killing us he walked in wearing the clown mask and walked out of there a, a cold hero basically for having done it there was an nfl films presents on him just wearing the daggum mask coming in the bill. Oh, my gosh. I don't, uh, ever, I don't ever really want to do this on radio at some point, but I think it would be a fascinating exercise. We talk about all the time the games with names. And that one's, hey, remember that playoff game against the Colts? Oh, clown mask? Yeah, the clown mask. We have what we the Colts than any other, I think. Any more name games against the Colts. <laughs> that. Yeah, I, I can't believe we really haven't dubbed that game Clown Mask because when I saw that, and I was still at home because the arrivals happened so early, and yeah. I'm just leaving for the stadium, and I saw that, and I thought, Texans are winning today. There's no way you're losing after seeing that. I mean, Jonathan Joseph, and the, why he wore the mask, people forget, Jonathan Joseph said, oh, that clown. Yeah. And then he shows up in a clown mask, and I thought, oh, Texans got this. I mean, there's no your, your blood is going to be boiling. And then he torches the Texans. That felt bad for sure. It, you know, playoff loss is always going to feel horrible, but that felt extra horrible. So, listen, I'm going to tell Nick. I'm just going to call him after this show and say, <laughs> no, no T-Mobile if he's available, please. I doubt they would sign him. It just doesn't seem like one of those efficient-type signings. Uh, and it's really amazing he's a free agent. People forget how long he's been in the league. I mean, he came in with luck in 2012, and he's been in for a while. Yeah, he has. thing about it is, and I know Texas fans are going – well, look, he plays so great at NRG Stadium. I mean, that's eight games at NRG Stadium. Maybe nine, depending on what the 17th game is like. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's – I don't know. I, I'm not in the business of going out and getting 30-year-old-plus 30, 30 receivers, uh, especially ones with injury histories just recently. Look, I, like I said, 
even with the guys on the roster, I'm not feeling terrible about that. I mean, we're not going to talk running backs today, but I think that that is such a key position for this offense. If you're able to get Will back and everybody else is healthy and you add something in the draft, I don't know what you're going to get out of Isaiah Coulter, yeah. uh, second-year receiver, really had you know done anything because there was a log jam and he was way behind. Uh, and those guys, rookies, were badly hurt by no OTAs and preseason games and you know limited training camp and all of that. But I still think running back is is a huge add for this team when they do make that acquisition, whatever it's going to be. And it might not be sexy on paper, but it's got to be sexy on the field. It's got to pay dividends for them. Otherwise, the offense is not going to take the step forward that they want. And I'm saying all this, listeners, with Deshaun Watson. Okay, yes. let's just be clear. He's under contract. He's your quarterback. I got to go with it right now. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. And I think all of us are like, yeah, we're with you, Mark. I'm with you, no doubt. All right. We handle the wide receivers. Coming up, new segment for Mark. It's called Yes, No, Maybe. The NFL's playing a 17th game. Where is that 17th game going to be played? We'll talk about that next right here on Texas All Access. 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 Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, joined by the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. It's time for yes, no, maybe. I give Mark an out pretty much each and every time we do something. And Mark, I actually thought about this during uh, right at the beginning of the show. I kind of been thinking about this driving around today. Like, man, what do I want to do for a segment? I was like, oh, I know what I want to do. And I just... I don't know why. Yes, no, maybe. So I'm going to hit you with a comment. You tell me yes, no, or maybe. And I'll leave it completely and totally up to you. All right, we'll start with the one that I teased coming into this segment. 2021, the Texans and 31 other teams are going to be playing a 17th game. Obviously, right now, the math works perfect. And you know me, Mark. My OCD, this is blowing my OCD just to kingdom come because this is killing me because it's perfect. It's eight home. It's eight away. It's these four here, these four here. I mean, it's perfect the way it is. And now you're adding a 17th game, and it's blowing my mind. So I tell you this. The 17th game for every NFL team will be played in a foreign location, do you, would you like that to happen? Yes, no, or maybe? Would I like it to happen? I'm going to say maybe, Johnny, because maybe would depend on where we're going, okay? You and I, we all agree that, like, London was a fantastic experience. You know, winning the game helps, right? It's a long trip. Mexico was a much shorter trip, but it felt longer because the ride to the airport was ridiculous and it just felt longer. The stadium's not as good, everything else that went into that. Uh, where else are we going? Germany. I mean, I don't know where they want to go. I just Mexico City too, again. Mexico City yeah, again. I'm, I'm sure they'd want to go there. I'm sure that would all happen. But I just don't think, you know, there's enough out there. I don't think there's enough out there to do a 17th game for every team in a foreign location. I just don't think there are enough locations to make it worthwhile now one thing i always thought though was london you have a whole season of games there right you could have a whole season of games with different teams in london 
Can you imagine in a non-COVID world, of course, what those season tickets would go for? I mean, now, first of all, most teams, you only have eight games, maybe nine with the 17-game schedule, right? Right, right. But could you, would you at least get nine, ten games in London now and sell that as an NFL season ticket overseas? That would be pretty attractive to the expats over there and all the Brits who love professional football. And some people, like, from other countries in Europe who will fly in for the game, yes. you know? It's like just going to London is like flying, for us, flying to San Antonio for a lot of people in Europe. So uh, there's a lot to consider there. I'm going to say maybe. That's a solid maybe with me. Okay. I think your idea would be awesome. Four at Tottenham, four at Wembley, and you basically have got an NFL season's a season worth of games over in London. I mean, that would be, that would be uh, outstanding. Okay. Yes, no, maybe. Michael Pittman was asked about number 11 with the Indianapolis Colts. Hmm. And apparently he told Carson Wentz, nah, I'm sticking with number 11. So who knows what Carson Wentz is going with, wants a new change, whatever the case might be. Carson Wentz offers you $100,000, Mark Vandermeer. You own number 11. Would you give Carson Wentz your number 11, especially since you're one of his wide receivers would you give that to him to be able to play for the Colts so he could wear 11, you'd wear a different number, would you? Would I give it to him if I'm the quarterback? You know, I would definitely offer a hefty sum. I think a hundred grand is a lot of money, Johnny, for a number. It, you know, I love what Amon Green did with Jason Simmons when Amon came to the Houston Texans and Simmons had his number and they ended up buying a single mother a home. It was a charitable contribution. Amon was all over it, uh, paid for it that way. Simmons, a heart the size of Texas, uh, wanted to do it that way. I loved that. I love seeing things like that in these exchanges. But cold, hard cash, I would say if I'm Wentz, I don't go any higher than 50. Now, if I'm Pittman, you're right. you got to acquiesce at some point and maybe suggest something to the effect of what I just did or, yeah. you know, pay for a year of college for one of my kids. You know, eventually, I don't think yeah. he's got college-age kids. Of course, he's a you know second-year player. But yeah, you know, for someday, uh, get a trust, buy me some Bitcoin, do something. Yeah, <laughs> I think he should uh, consider giving him his number for a fee. JJ Watt is rumored to potentially go to Cleveland. Are you buying JJ Watt in Cleveland opposite Miles Garrett? Look, it's a free country. Obviously, Watt can do whatever he wants to do. But to me, why are you going to Cleveland? And I hate to uh, bring up Baker Mayfield in this conversation, but I'm going to because you have to consider who the quarterback is when you're Watt trying to figure out what team it gives you the best shot at going to the Super Bowl. I, I'm going to word it like this, Johnny. I don't think you're really that serious about going to the Super Bowl if you think Cleveland's your best chance to get to a Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cleveland is not going to the Super Bowl. Now, I could eat my words a year from now, and we could be celebrating a Brown, or they could be celebrating a Brown Super Bowl win. But I just don't see it happening. And I think Mayfield is a big part of that because inaccuracy issues, key moments, that kind of thing. Now, you do make the Browns better just by being on the team, but you've heard me say it. I think Green Bay, Tampa Bay – I haven't seen Tampa Bay on the lists, by the way, too many of them. But if Green Bay is an actual player – 
I'm headed for the Packers. You know, people doubt the Packers constantly. And all they do, I mean, they went to the NFC Championship game. Is it back-to-back years? Yeah, back-to-back years. Back-to-back years in the NFC Championship game. That means you're right there. You could be the difference. Go for it. Cam Newton got in a little uh, hubbub this weekend with a teenager, and I thought Cam actually handled it uh, fairly good for the most part. He then did an interview, and I can't remember who the interview was with. I think it was Brandon Marshall. And he came out and said, there are not 32 quarterbacks better than me. Is he correct? All right, so he's saying he's at least 32. He, there so, are not 32 better than him, i.e., he should be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Is he right? Yes, no, maybe. Based on last year, he's incorrect for sure. He says that the COVID slowed him down. Okay, got it. I don't dispute that. I think that, you know, I had it, and I know that I didn't exercise for about a month. So I can only imagine what it's like when it's such a fine line between the precision that you need to execute with as an NFL quarterback, you know, having that edge and not. So COVID could have been a big factor. I do think Newton can play a lot better than he did. Uh, so as I say all that, I would say, Johnny, he's right that, you know, maybe not based on what everyone sees on paper heading into the 2021 campaign, but I bet that through week six, we are going to say, you know, a healthy Cam Newton, a healthy non-COVID Cam Newton certainly would deserve a starting job or at least a shot at one in the NFL. But having said all that, I can understand why a team is not going to take that shot at him right now. They're not going to assume that he's going to be healthy. They're going to think that he's going to be not up to snuff. Uh, look at the lack of touchdown passes. Uh, the way the Patriots does – if look, and here's the, other, here's the other downside. If the Patriots can't do it with you, if you can't do it with them and all their brain trust and the way they organize things, who can you do it with? I mean, that could be a factor. So – uh, I guess I'm like sort of hedging my bet here. I'm going to go maybe, maybe he's right if I have the yes, no, maybe thing. The Philadelphia Eagles are set to release, and we talked about receivers earlier, Alshon mm. Jeffrey when the league year begins. Now, he has not played a full set of games. The last time, well, the last time we saw Alshon Jeffrey at his best, we saw him at his best in 2018 when he yeah. lit up the Texans. He's 31 years old, but because of that, you probably can get him for a fair deal. Alshon Jeffrey, soon to be released by the Eagles. Would you? Yes, no, or maybe? Uh, I believe I, – I, I want to be definitive here. I hate the maybe option. It just It's too easy. Okay, uh, yes or no? At the, I'm going to say – I, want, I would like to be able to bring him to camp. But when I look at the Texans receivers and the young guys, I don't want to take reps away from those guys. You know what I mean? Like, I still think that what we saw out of Chad Hansen, look, I'm not saying Chad Hansen at his best is going to be as good as Alshon Jeffrey at his best. But are you ever going to get Alshon Jeffrey at his best, right? Yeah. Is that best attainable for him? 2018 in the NFL is a long time ago all of a sudden. It just is. That's yeah. just how the league works, as you know. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. All right, we'll take maybe out. We'll just do a yes or no. All right. I like yeah, I like it. I like I, that. I just I think it's tough with someone 31. It's a big receiver too. The thing about a big receiver though is if you got a pretty big catch radius, you don't need to get all that separation. You just need to be healthy enough to right. catch the ball. 
And if you can run just a little bit, you know, who's to say? It's not like he's going to be losing a bunch of speed. Well, he wasn't a speed burner to begin with. All I know is in those three years ago or two and a half or whatever it is now, in 2018, that dude was phenomenal against us. Phenomenal against us. But then again, uh, we couldn't cover, you know, anybody that day. We couldn't stop running water. But uh, that's a different story for a different day. You know, that's a game that kind of falls uh, through the cracks, Mark. All the, you know, great games that we've had. And we talk about Seattle in 17 and New Orleans in 19. That game against Philadelphia was as exciting a football game as I've been on the sidelines for. I mean, that was an incredible, incredible football game. Unfortunately, you know, Alshon Jeffrey's not that guy from that game anymore. No, he's not. And that game was incredible. We've had too many incredible losses, Johnny. You and I have been through too many of these uh, where you get these incredible Watson performances. He leaves the field with the lead, and you're not able to hang on. I mean, it's just so freaking frustrating when you see stuff like that happen. But, you know, you do have some good memories from that. And I think, you know, one of the best losses we ever saw, I hate to say best loss, but entertaining. And, you know, during the game, you just thought this is a fantastic moment was that Cowboys game in 2014 up there. And guess what? Next year, you get another shot at that. You get another shot and hopefully uh, not not next, I mean, next year, 2022, right? So that 2022 season, you're going to be at Jerry World again with the battle red dominating the building, and that is going to be fun stuff to watch. I can't wait for that. Oh, man. If we start wearing a battle red on the road, that'd be sweet. I would yeah, I'd be well, down for that. You have to up there, you know, for the contrast. And it worked out great that day because uh, there was so much red in the stands. It, it was a terrific look, and the crowd was going nuts, and Cowboys had to go to the silent count when they were on offense. Oh, it was terrific. That was absolutely terrific. All right, Mark. Appreciate you being with me. Actually, Mark's going to stick around because he joined the executive director of Kids Meals Incorporated, Beth Harp. It's a great interview. We got that for you next on Texans All Access. All Access. All Access. We got one final segment this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. So glad to be with you, especially after a week last week that was as frustrating as maybe one we've ever seen, as sad, as emotional. A lot of people just dealing with so much, be it power, water, and food. Food was a major issue for a lot of families, for a lot of kids throughout the city of Houston, throughout the snowpocalypse of 2021, if we call it that. It was just such a horrible time and kids meals inc is a group that feeds young people throughout the city of houston and they lost their entire cadre of food because of losing power not having uh the requisite food to be able to feed the kids that they feed on a daily basis and it's an incredible organization And I know our friends over at Sports Radio 610, uh, they're doing a lot to serve uh, that group. I know Clint and Sean both put together meals um, and put that out there. It was incredible. I know I donated the organization. I know the McNairs donated thousands of dollars to Kids Meal Inc. as well. And they are led by an unbelievable, unbelievable leader. And her name is Beth Harp. 
she sat down with Mark to kind of talk through the challenges of what they went through and how people can help their organization. Joining us right now on Texans Radio is Beth Harp, Executive Director of Kids Meals. And Beth, how are you doing? Thanks for being with us. I am doing great. Thank you. A little tired after this week. <laughs> oh, it's been a busy week for you. Well, busy week for everybody, but especially for Kids Meals. Before we get into what the Texans have done and everything, tell us about Kids Meals and what you do, Beth. Kids Meals is the nation's only home delivery service for preschool age children that are living in severe poverty right here in Houston. Those are children that are living in food insecure homes, which means they don't know necessarily where their next meal is coming from. And Kids Meals addresses those children that are five and under, under because of our critical brain development. Us as humans, 90% uh, of our brain is going to develop before the age of four. And so we are focusing on those little ones that don't have access to free breakfast, free lunch through the school system. Mm -hmm. They're in an impoverished situation and they need the food. And so we're delivering a healthy meal right to their homes, apartments, or trailers. Beth, tell me, give me a number if you can, or a percentage of Houston. I mean, how many people are we talking about that are affected like this? How many kids and how many are you able to help and how much help do you need to be able to help them all? Right. You know, we look at our city and, and we just, we love our city and we think it's so prosperous, which it is, but there's also just so much incredible need. Right here in our city, there's one in four kids in Harris County that are living in food insecure homes. So from our perspective, if we're looking at the preschool age children first, that's over 26,000 children. Kids Meals is able to serve about 6,400 of those kids daily. And that's, again, taking it to, right to their homes and then also helping some low-income daycares that we're able to help as well. Um, so we're serving about 22% of those that need help. And so the need is great, and we appreciate any support from the Houston community, whether it's you come and volunteer with us or you can make a donation or you can volunteer from home. We also have so many opportunities to get involved at kidsmealsinc.org. Well, you had the storm last week, and you saw the freeze coming, but I don't think anybody saw the massive power outage that we did have coming. Maybe you did. Uh, obviously, not only that, but pipes bursting, everything else that happened. How did it affect you? How did you get ready for it? What happened, Beth? Uh, well, we thought we were ready. <laughs> uh, we're in a leased space, and we didn't have a big generator. And even in Harvey, we didn't have this much where, the, where we were out for just days on end. And so we did. We, we lost all of our perishable foods. We lost all the meat, the cheese, the milk, the juice, anything that was perishable, our produce. Um, we did lose it. And uh, but it's been amazing to watch Houston step up especially the Houston Texans that have now partnered with us and given an amazing, generous donation to help us replenish all the loss. And I mean, I just can't even thank you enough because it was devastating to come in here and, and have to throw all that out. Well, so tell me where we're at right now, Beth, because a lot of people think, well, the power's back on, everything's fine. It doesn't happen that way. So right. what has it been like climbing out of that and how much farther do we have to go? I mean, you mentioned it in general, you, you help over 20%, but I know you want to help everybody. Right, right. So what happened was real interesting last week. We had the funds from organizations like yours to buy the food, but we couldn't buy it. We couldn't buy it in bulk oh. because uh, the, the, the big food distributors of the world 
are just jammed. They've never seen anything like it. So we were having to make multiple runs wherever we could find food. It was really crazy. But um, so now we are, we're pulling up, we're in the recovery process. But what happens with any disaster, with any hunger relief organization is you see the demand uh, for the need just grow many times exponentially like it did in the pandemic. Uh, we, before the pandemic, we were at 3,500 kids a day. We jumped as high as 7,400 kids a day. We're back down in the 6,000 a day. But what we know is that the need is just tremendous. Um, there's those that are suffering most are those that are been in the most vulnerable positions. And we really want to be that lifeline. We want to be the lifeline to provide that daily nutrition to the kids as well as groceries and other shelf-stable items to the family. So if anybody can partner with us again, volunteer with us. Um, we have one of the most incredible volunteer opportunities in the city. You will have a great time. You'll get a style and hairnet. You'll jam to some great music, and you're going to have a tangible experience where you are making meals that you know they're going to be in the hands of Hungry Child the next day. Or you can donate for less than $2 a day. Kids Meals can feed a hungry child, and that's an all-in organizational cost. We've gotten the BBB Award for Charity of Excellence for use of funds um, because we're doing it so well with the use of volunteers that are making it happen. And you can also volunteer from home. We know several people are still concerned about COVID, but you can go to our website at kidsmealsinc.org and go to Take Action and Donation Drives, and you can do it right from your home. We've got all of the directions and videos on how to show you to do it from there. All right, so it's kidsmealsinc.org to get more information on how to help out or anything you guys are doing. Yes, yes. All right, Beth, right. thanks so much for the time, and God bless you. Thanks so much for the work you do in Houston. Well, and I can tell you how thankful we are to be in partnership with the Houston Texans. I mean, this is so huge for Kids Meals. Sometimes we say we're the best-kept secret. We don't have an advertising budget or promotions budget, and you helping us tell our story is such a gift. And it's a gift to so many children that won't go to bed hungry tonight. So I appreciate everything you do. Well, Beth, it's our pleasure to help out in any way possible. And thank you for the work you do. Okay. Take care. That was so great to hear from Beth Harp, Executive Director of Kids Meals, Inc. You can follow them on Twitter at Kids Meals, Inc. Go check them out online, kidsmealsinc.org. And help them out. And by helping them out, you're helping all the kids here in Houston that rely so heavily on Kids Meals, Inc. to help feed them on a daily basis. And this is such a great uh, partner to have during this time who needs the help desperately. And so anything you can do would be much, much appreciated. Thank you very much. All right, appreciate you guys listening to the show. Appreciate Mark for stopping by. Beth Harp, Executive Director of Kids Meals, Inc. also for joining us. Appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans.